mean, glad you're here again. I want to encourage you, I do it every single week, but I want to encourage you to be thinking about who you can invite. Uh, we would like to see our men's lunch go to 200 people, 300 people. Wouldn't it be awesome to see this place completely packed with men? Uh, how that's going to happen is really you putting the word out. Uh, we can talk about it, we put it out, but the, the best way for that to happen is not only you to commit to be here, but more than that, you invite somebody to join you every week. Next Thursday, be thinking about who you can invite to, to join us here in our men's lunch. Our men's lunch, we've been going through the book of First Peter. Uh, he's talking about the church, uh, those in the cause of Jesus Christ who have been suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. And really, it's a letter telling them how, how they would suffer and how would they would endure for the cause of Jesus Christ. This, this week, one of the days this week, I was reading again uh, in the book of 2 Timothy. And there in, in chapter 3 in 2 Timothy, uh, there is a description of the last Days, the days before Jesus comes again. And I want to start off today by reading 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now listen to what this says. It says this, but realize this. Now think about this for a second. 1950 years ago, that's when this was written. 1950 years ago, and it says this. But realize this, that in the last days... Difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Listen to these words, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. But realize in the last days, difficult times will come. Think about those words. Listen to that list. Treacherous, reckless, brutal, irreconcilable. It means you can't calm them down. Logic doesn't matter. Irreconcilable. Haters of good. Holding to a form of godliness. You know what? It's okay to be spiritual. It's okay to, to profess religion, but it really doesn't impact my life. It really doesn't change how I live. Listen to that description. Listen to those words. Friends, that is talking about our day. Lovers of God. They profess to love him, but they, they haven't been changed by him. Brutal, treacherous, haters of good, self-promoters. Conceded. That's, that's the list that describes 2017. Think about the events of this week. Some guy knocks out a window and for no good reason, other than he's reckless, other than he's treacherous, other than he's irreconcilable, other than he's a hater of what is good, he shoots into a crowd and tears people to pieces. Listen to me. Look around today. Do not miss the signs. These are the last days. I've said that, you've heard me say that. These are those days. These are the days when Jesus very soon is going to come again. And, and as these days brew up on us, as, as these scenes begin to unfold, and I'm going to tell you, these scenes, we start to see them, they're going to be more and more frequent. There's a shooting in this church. There's something down here. This is going on in Las Vegas. As these scenes begin to unfold, watch the conversation. Everybody's talking about what we need. Everybody is. Everybody's talking about what we need. And, 
And honestly, I, I listen to these people and they're all, every news channel ate up with it. These are the things we need. Every politician, their, their mouths are running 90 miles an hour. These are the things we need. We need a change. We need a change in our government. We need to be more Democrat. We need to be more Republican. We need a change in the government. We need a, a change in the president. We need, we need a change in gun control. That will fix this. We need more guns. We need less guns. Somebody said, well, we need to come together. I've heard that a bunch. We need to, to come together. We need to unify. Uh, the guy that was singing that night in Las Vegas, Jason Aldean, says, we need to be Americans. All of these things, all of these ideas. Friends, let me tell you what the world needs. As the trumpet of the Lord is warming up, as the voice of the archangel prepares to be lifted up, as the king of kings who is seated in glory prepares to stand up again, listen to me, in these days, we need the bold message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be sure, listen to me, do not be misled. Be sure and understand this. I don't care what the talking heads are saying. Listen to me, it is the gospel that is still the power of God unto salvation. If we're ever going to be saved, if we're ever going to have peace, if we would hope to ever have peace, if we're ever going to find deliverance, it's going to come from the gospel of Jesus Christ being boldly declared in these days. This is not a coincidence. This is our battle. These are our days. God raised us up in this time period. This is our call to tell them of Jesus, faithful to save. The truth is this, if we will do that, I'd like to picture people are going to embrace that. People are going to be excited about that. I, I would like to think people are going to say, well, that's, that's an awesome message. That's our answer. But I want to tell you the, the truth of what the Bible says. These are our days. But the Bible says if you endeavor to do that, you're going to be persecuted. If you endeavor to do that, you're going to suffer. If you, if you endeavor to do that, it's going to be a terribly hard time. If you endeavor to do that in these days, it's going to come at a great cost. That's what the Bible says. Well, how awesome is it that as we've moved through our study here in 1 Peter, God has been equipping us for this reality. This is no coincidence. God knows where we're at. God knows what's going on. He knows these are the last days. And through the proclamation of his word, he's been preparing men to stand and to endure in these days. No coincidence. Well, today we're going to keep going. And at this point, as we move through, we're going to move into the fifth chapter here. Uh, continuing the fifth chapter. At this point, as we move in, the instructions are starting to become very specific. And I think that's intentional as well. They start to become, you know what, this is what you need to do. Very specific instructions for us to follow. If we're going to stand for the cause, if, if we're going to endure in suffering, here are the instructions in how to do that. If you're going to stand in the last days, these are the specific things you need to carry out. And so we see some very specific instructions here as we move through the fifth chapter. I want to encourage every week, bring your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Today we're going to continue in the fifth verse. 1 Peter chapter 5 and the 5th verse, it says this. You younger men, likewise be subject to your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now let's look at that 5th verse. It says this. You younger men, likewise, in the same way, be subject 
to your elders. Now we talked about last week the word elders is a, one of three words that are interchangeable for the word of the, the title of pastor. And so it's, it's not talking about older people. It's talking about pastors. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your pastors. Now, last week, if you remember, we saw that God's plan in these days is for us to be under the care of and under the direction of a godly, God-called, God-established Pastor, that is his plan. How are we going to know what to do? How are we going to endure? How are we going to uphold the correct doctrine? You need to put yourself under the direction, under the care of a godly, God-established pastor. That is his plan. Let me just say this. First thing is understand this. Listen, you need a New Testament Bible teaching church. You need that. Well, I don't like a church. Well, I can operate outside of that. I go fishing and I have a deal with God. Listen, that's not going to work. In the last days, you need a New Testament Bible-preaching church with a God-honoring pastor. That's his plan. You need a pastor. Then it says this, Likewise, in the same way, moving into today, younger men, be subject to your pastors. Now, the word for, for be subject means to line up under. It really means to submit to, but it means to line up under. Be sure, we talked about it last week, but be sure and understand this. There is one person who will give an answer for the church, and that is the pastor of that church. That's what the Bible says. He is one who will give an account. The book of Hebrews says that, a person who will give an account. God has called them to that church. He has placed them in that church. And listen to me, the Bible's telling us here, especially in these days, your job is not to undercut him and your job is not to overstep them and your job is not to overrun them. Your job is not to come and to guide and correct them. Your job is to follow them. That's that's the Bible's order. You know what? They're going to give an answer to God, not to you. And you're not either. Your job, the Bible says, is to submit, subject yourself to them. Put yourself lined up under them. In these days, we need direction. There's an onslaught of false teaching. There's an onslaught of garbage going on in the church. In these days, we need direction. You know what? God provides it in his plan, in his church, through his pastors. The word says we're to line up. Let me me tell you this. Sometimes I don't want to talk about personal stuff, but let me just tell you this. The hardest thing of my job, and there's some awesome things about this job. There's some great things about my job. There are some hard things about my job. But I want to tell you the hardest thing about my job is this. I have to wake up and I have to go to bed knowing that with every step and every misstep, of Calvary Baptist Church, eternities hang in the balance. That's a pretty heavy thing. That's a pretty profound thing. He says here, you know what, I've given an order and a direction in the church. You're to submit to that and follow the headship of your pastor. That's the first thing, building on last week. Then it says this, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility Toward one another. Now, let me show you what that means. The word clothe, clothe yourself, actually means to put on. So to put on, uh, it means that you have to be deliberate in it. 
There has to be a choice to do it, and it is an effort. You didn't get up this morning and, and step out of bed and your clothes just drop on you. You had to pick out, this is what I'm going to wear. You had to be deliberate to choose it and to actually put it on. Well, it says here the same word, clothe yourselves with humility. Put humility on. Now, the word humility translates lowliness of mind. Lowliness of mind. And then it's tied here toward one another. Toward one another. Let me explain that. What it means is this. Willingly, you have to choose and then you have to do it. You have to put all others above yourself. That's what it's saying. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. You have to put all others ahead of yourself. Now, why is that important? What that means is in these days... In the heat of the battle, when the world is against us and Satan is against us, in these days, there's no room for egos. There's no room for power trips. There's no room for pride and self-promotion. There's no room for who's going to get the credit. We have to put all people ahead of ourselves. Now, what that looks like is this. You know what? I get up in the morning and I, I survey the world around me. I see the lost people. And I see the hurting people. There's a bunch in this room. They're all over our town. I, I see people that are, that are hurting. I see people, other people that are on this mission in the cause of Jesus Christ. It means this. I have to say, you know what? I will sacrifice myself for their gain. I'll sacrifice myself. They might hear the gospel. I'll sacrifice myself. They might be able to proclaim the gospel. I will put them ahead of myself and I will give myself to the cause. We've said this a bunch of times. We saw it when we studied David. The cause outweighs it all. I thought it was my wealth. I thought it was my comfort. No. The cause of Jesus Christ outweighs it all. This week I thought it was very telling. There's, there's a ton of videos that came out of, of Las Vegas. I thought it was very telling. There's a video of a guy. And I, I don't know the guy. I've never seen the guy. But I watched a couple of the videos. Evidently he is known as some kind of tough guy's He's all built up and he's got a beard and he's kind of tough guy. Um, he's known on the internet as, as, as the king of tough guys. I don't know what he did to get that. We never seen him here. Um, you get his full story. He flunked out of Navy SEAL school, so evidently he wasn't that tough. Uh, but he's on the internet. Here's this tough guy, and he happens to be at the concert. And he videos all the stuff as it goes down. And in the video, he runs away from the thing. He runs away from what's going on. But then I guess he remembers halfway out of there, he's a tough guy. And so he says, I went to get my gun, and now I'm coming back. And so he comes with his video, he's got his phone, and he's got his gun, and now he's coming back. Um, guess what? It was all over when he came back. But he videos the whole deal. He's, he's a big talker. He did absolutely nothing. Ran his mouth. There's another account. You watch the same different video, but you watch these videos. There's an ex-Marine there who's there... With his, with his girlfriend, and the, and the account is this. He starts to leave, and he sees a pickup with the keys in it, and he gets in that pickup. It's not his pickup. doesn't even know who it belongs to, and he starts to grab shot people, hurt people, and stuff them in the cab of the pickup, stuff them in the back of the pickup, and he drives them to a hospital. There's blood all over the seats of the pickup. He gets them in the hospital, and then he said all he knew to do was go back and get another load, and he gets all these loads until it's all over. The first trip as he's pulling people out bullets are still flying and this one guy takes over 30 people to the hospital I noticed this 
He wasn't videoing as he did it. See, it's the same picture here. It has to be a person who clothes themselves with humility and puts all other people first. That guy was running his mouth. He was all about him. This guy didn't care if he got shot. He put everybody else ahead of himself. That's what God says we have to do in the last days. Bible says this, and it's what God says. Because, why would we do that? Because God is opposed to the proud. Because God is opposed to the proud. Now that, that means God is in opposition to the prideful person. He is opposed to the proud. Now I'm going to break that down for you. It means that God is against the proud person. God is against him. I'm going to go a step further. It means if that is you and you're a proud person and you're a self-promoter and that's why you're doing it, God can't stand you. God is in opposition to you. His own word says, I am opposed to them. I don't know how tough anybody thinks they are, but I can't stand for the creator of God of the universe to say, I'm opposed to you. It says he's opposed to the proud, but it says this, but he gives grace to the humble. To the person who will say, you know what, it's about other people. They're, a, they're ahead of me. I will sacrifice for the cause. He gives grace to the humble. I see them. I see what they're doing. I see what it costs. And he gives them grace upon grace upon grace. He gives grace to the humble. Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Verse 6 means this. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. It means put yourself under the hand of God. Now, what that literally means is put yourself, place yourself under the plan of God. Humble yourself, submit yourself, place yourself under the plan of God. What that means for us in 2017 is this. We have to get to the point that we understand it is all about Him. It is all about Him. It's about His purpose, not my purpose. It's about His plan, not my plan. It's about His glory, not my glory. I have to wake up and say, you know what? I live this day for the glory of God. It's about His plan. I do it for Him. Now, if you've figured that out, or maybe you're in the process of figuring that out, you know what the reality is this. Nothing else will matter in the end. Aren't you starting to see that? Nothing else will matter in the end. What if you built the greatest business? What if you stacked up tons of money? What if everybody thought you were the toughest man on the internet? It will not matter in the end. So live for God. Do what truly matters. And then it says this, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Get under his plan. Serve his plan so that why? That he may exalt you at the proper time. Now, I'm going to just tell you, I've always thought that this is speaking of when he comes again. That we're going to push on, that we're going to stand for the cause, that we're going to endure for him, and we're going to suffer if we have to suffer, but one day he's going to come again, and it's going to be an awesome day. Now that is exactly true, but I want you to see this today. If you humble yourself under the hand of God, here's what the Bible is telling us. Here's what God is telling us. He will exalt. 
The word for exalt literally translates to raise you up, to raise them up. And then it says at the proper time. Uh, the Greek word here is in Cairo. Uh, it, it means in the reality of time. It means in this portion of time. Now what that means is this. There will be a day marked in time. And it's not talking about in glory. It's not talking about when he comes again. That is a true statement. But there's a time that's marked in this time, in this day that we're living in now, when you have suffered and you have stood for the cause of Jesus Christ. And in his grace, Jesus himself is going to lift you up. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know when that's going to come. But it says if you've suffered for the cause of Christ, if you've endeavored to live for him, Jesus himself, there'll be a time in this time when Jesus himself is going to lift you up. What an awesome picture. Verse 7. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Casting all your anxiety on him. Here's the detailed instruction. You know what? You've got to live for his cause. You've got to put his cause ahead of everything. Taking his cause up, you've got to humble yourself, and you've got to put all people ahead of yourself to serve this cause. But then it says this, doing that, you can cast all your cares, all your anxiety on him. The anxieties, it's not paying the bills. It's not things that, that bog us down here. It's, it's In this context, it's the troubles that come with standing. It's the hardships that come with suffering. You know what? You take up the cause of Jesus Christ and you're hated. You take up the cause of Jesus Christ and you're rejected and you're talked about and you're persecuted. I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that's coming. You take up the cause of Jesus Christ and you suffer for the cause. And all those hardships, all those troubles, it says cast them on him. In the Greek, it's, it's important to see this. It literally means throw them on him. He cares for you. He sees you. He knows what's going on. And he says this in the troubles and the hurts and the heartaches of suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ, he says, Give it to me. But I think it's important to say, he doesn't say, Just come up and tell me about it. He says, Throw it on me, heap it on me. The trouble, the hurt, the heartache. You come, I don't want to hear about it. Throw it on me. Heap it on me. For I care for you. Friends, we are in those days. If you're not believing that, you look around at the world today. Look at the wickedness and the garbage and the onslaught of stuff going on. We are in those days. You are breathing in those days. Let me tell you a couple things. The urgency of it is upon us. Now, I want to tell you this first off. If you're here and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, time is growing short. And some nut in a building may shoot you out of a window, but I'm going to tell you, sure than that, that we're in the end days and Jesus is coming again. And if you're here without a relationship with Jesus Christ, the urgency of the decision is upon you. The Bible says in our sin we're separated from a holy God. If we die in that state, we're going to be separated without mercy for all eternity. The urgency is upon you. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Settle that today. We're in those days. We're in those days. Settle that today. If you've done that, then stand for Jesus Christ. 
And maybe that's the cause for a whole bunch of us here today. Maybe you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, but maybe the things of the world and the bills and the, and the stuff and the relationships have all pulled away from your time. Maybe it's time that we say, you know what, I see we're in the end days. I see the only hope is in Jesus Christ. We can say that all we want, if, but it doesn't matter if we're not going to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Stand for Jesus Christ. Live for this cause. It's all that matters. It's all that will make a difference. We have the opportunity as men in this room to give our breath, our life, for the glory of a God that would save us through Jesus Christ. These are those days. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Glad you were here today. Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. And I come and I see the wickedness of a, of a world that is lost, that is dark, that is dying, that has no hope, that is decaying, that is coming unhinged. Just today I see folks who die outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we think this suffering is bad, we can't imagine that suffering. And so we come today and I pray that you'd strike the urgency of this day upon us. And I pray for some here today without a relationship with Jesus Christ that it would eat at their core, that there is only hope in Jesus. There's only redemption and forgiveness in Jesus. And today they might put their faith in our Savior, Jesus. Speak to them, draw them. And I pray that today might be the day of their salvation. I pray for the rest of us here today that as we leave on a Thursday that we can't fit back into the mold, that we can't go back into the sorry world. We understand we have a new priority. We have understand there's an urgency in the day. And we will stand as grown men with mouths ready to tell the good news that's changed our hearts. Jesus Christ, help us in that. Propel us in that. Bless us in that. And then I pray on a day when you come back, they will have seen and they will have heard and eternities will have changed because of Jesus. Help us in that. We tell you we love you, we thank you, we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.